is Existential, a podcast aimed at reminding you that it's okay to be human. We listen to human stories and human experiences, and we wrestle with issues of justice, faith, and culture. I'm your host, Corey Leak. Thanks for listening. What's up, folks? Welcome to episode, I'm going to get this right, 85 of Existential so grateful that you're listening, so grateful that you are here uh, with me now, and now being a relative term, you know, because time is a construct, so I'm recording this at one time, and you're listening to it at another time, but yet, in a strange way, we are actually together. Huh? I mean, we just got started. Like, we just jumped right into some some deep water. Like, I, Like, we didn't even, we didn't, like ease in we didn't start in the kiddie pool and walk our way out to the deep water we're like in the ocean right now talking about constructs of time and being together yeah yeah you like you like that you like that (laughs) oh okay if you hear some squeaking in the background it's because i am recording in a new space today in the house julie would not give me the bedroom which is the best place to record she wouldn't give it to me. So I decided, fine, I'll go somewhere else. We're not fighting, in case anybody's wondering. But I'm in the girls' room. Well, I just got emotional because this is where my kids were before they went away to college. And now I'm, I'm in this room and the bunk bed kind of squeaks. If I get too animated, it might squeak and you'll hear that. So don't adjust your dial. That's what you're hearing. Okay, Patreon, patrons, Patreon friends. Those that want to be Patreon friends, next Wednesday, we are getting together virtually to hang out and discuss some of the latest episodes of the podcast, some things that are happening in the world. Um, when I went for, on Facebook and I told everyone, hey, listen, I get a lot of questions in my inbox and things like that and, and from things I'm writing or saying and you know, you want to engage me, I don't have time to engage people like that. But if you want to be part of a Patreon community, you are welcome to ask questions, start debates with me there. I mean, hell, some of you may want to like just sign up for the Patreon just so you can argue with me, which is fine. If that's what you if that's what you choose to do. Most people are there to support, but if you want to just have the opportunity to go back and forth with me about something I've said, that's the place where we do that. And next Wednesday we're getting together virtually. Want to start doing that more. I've been tripping, y'all. I really have. So it's been me, it's not you. It's me. It's not you. You know, just wanted you to know that. All right, today I wanted to talk about something that just struck me. And I was like, yeah, I haven't actually talked about this uh, with the folks. And I have thought about it for some time. It's been something that's like really, um, you know, really kind of been an idea I've had that I'd, like I said, not share publicly. But before I get into that, like, um, this week, I think it's this weekend, I don't actually know when it is, but I know that Oscars are coming up, I think they're called the Academy Awards, I think, pretty sure the SAG Awards just happened, and around this time, I start to, like, want to see the movies that are nominated. And I, I've, I've borrowed this from a friend who's actually done some video work for me. So if you actually 
are in the market for video work, I know a great videographer who uh, you can you can reach out to. Um, but I borrowed this from him because he told me he likes to watch the movies that are nominated. He likes to watch all of them. Now, I'm not going to watch all of them, but I'll like try to watch you know maybe one or two of them. This year, I've seen, I want to say, I've seen two that are nominated. I've seen um, Don't Look Up, which is great. If you haven't seen it, you should check it out. Um, Jennifer Lawrence is amazing in that movie. And I've seen Nightmare Alley, which is one of my favorite movies uh, of the last several years. It's so good. The ending's incredible. The story actually, to me, is is interesting because it, it, it sort of relates to uh, the religious experience. I, won't get, I don't want to give it away. No spoilers here. Um, and then the next one I want to see is The Way of the Dog. Because I haven't seen that one yet. I heard it's great. But the reason I'm talking about this is not because I'm like a movie critic or like, you know, this is not an episode about movies, though it is the Oscar goes to dot, dot, dot. It's a movie about actors. It's a movie about acting. Movie. <laughs> it's a podcast about actors and acting. But maybe not in the way you may think. So, um, in antiquity, rabbis had this term they would use that meant actor. In fact, the most famous rabbi, Jesus, used this term quite a bit to describe the Pharisees and teachers of the law from his day. And this word hypocrite, while we have come to recognize it as a word that means saying one thing and doing another, um, actually me means and meant actor. It was a word that was, there were actually people who were hypocrites who <laughs> weren't actually saying one thing and meaning another, or they weren't even like, you know, wicked or unjust people. They were actually actors. They were people who, um, you know, back then they didn't have movies because they didn't have screens or technology, which is a whole which is actually, as I say that, legitimately a conversation for another day. To talk about the advancements in, in, in technology and science and anthropology and everything else that has happened since antiquity is actually a, a really solid conversation for another day, but we're not having today. They didn't have movies, but they did have actors. They had like plays and whatnot and stage performers. And these stage performers were hypocrites because they... Uh, were as we, in our day, when you are an actor, in fact, when we give a award to someone, like what well, we give it, as if we actually, the people, give the Academy Award to anyone. But when someone wins an award for their acting, it's because they did the best job of getting into a character and convincing us that they actually are that person. Like convincing us that they actually have this lived experience, that they actually think this way, that, that this is actually who they are. There, there is this suspension of disbelief that you enter into when you watch a, a film or something on television that's fictional or you read a fictional book. You know, you suspend the disbelief that, you know, people can fly. Because you know you don't believe people can fly, but you're not spending your time watching the Avengers going, this is, this is, this is trash. Like people, people don't turn green and grow that, that size. People can't fly. All of those, you, you just, dis, you, you 
suspend that and you watch this and you believe that these people are actually engaged in what they are portraying that they are engaged in. So Jesus, the most famous rabbi um, of in history, in one one of the first times, at least, um, that's one of the first times, just get to the point. One of the first times that he uses this term actor, he's talking to the Pharisees and he says, Jeremiah was right about you. Jeremiah is an ancient prophet who wrote thousands of years before Jesus was historically walking the planet. And he said, Jeremiah was right about you because he says, you worship God with your lips, but your heart is far from God. In other words, saying you give lip service to something, you perform something outwardly that is actually not who you are inwardly. It is not your lived experience. It is not what people closest to you would tell us is true about you. It is not what your... Um, uh, <laughs> it is not what your religious experience is. At other times, he would talk about their hypocrisy in how they treated people. He would talk about how, like, you, he would say you lay heavy burdens on people that you yourself are not willing to carry. So you, you, you present something to people as if you yourself are willing to or able to do it and you put it on them like you are, and you're actually not. You're an actor. My friend, Jen Kinney, first introduced me to this term that is, I think, um, you know, probably the most accurate modern, uh, modern example of hypocrisy, acting. It's performative allyship. And it seems to be elevated whenever there is a global crisis of some sort where there is almost universal agreement that something wicked is happening. And right now, there's almost, with the exception of a handful of, um, I would say, extreme right-wing conservative Christians... There's almost universal recognition that what Vladimir Putin is doing invading the Ukraine is wicked. Nearly universally. And whenever you have this universal agreement, people f instinctively seem to feel this obligation to publicly say something or to show solidarity. Some people make stronger comments than others. Some people show their solidarity in more um, tacit. That's for full time, by the way. Full time, you know who you are. More tacit ways where you just sort of add a, a Ukraine flag to your profile. Or you would black out your screen. Um, not your screen, but you'd, you'd black out your profile uh, back around the time of George Floyd. And many people were criticized because people would say that that is performative allyship. And I would disagree that that is, in every case, performative allyship. I do think there are ways of showing solidarity 
that is not um, going to the front lines and protesting or making grand statements on the internet or any of those things. There are ways of showing your solidarity that are from the heart and meaningful. But there are ways, also other ways of showing solidarity that is hypocrisy, that is performative allyship. And that is when you as a person actually support the very thing that you are condemning online. What do I mean when I say that? Well, you're a person who here in the United States supports the banning of books that will teach young American students about America's sins, about America's genocide, about America's deepest and darkest ugly sins, and how America has treated black and brown people. You would advocate for the erasure of the history of black and brown folks, which is tantamount to violence, which is tantamount to um, the same type of evil and wicked that you would look across the pond and condemn. You would ask the question, what did they do? When you find out that another black human being was tragically murdered by the state. When no-knock warrants are happening in our own country, when people are asleep in their bed, minding their own business, and the state sends people in to knock their doors down and open fire, you would say they deserved it. Or what did they do? Or they shouldn't have? Or why were they? And then when people come forward and say, Black Lives Matter, or we should consider defunding the police, you would be a person who says, all lives matter. I stand behind this blue line. And you say to yourself, well, how is standing behind the blue line or or proudly flying the back of the blue flag? How how is that hypocrisy? How is that how is that like being a person who supports violence? I mean, I'll I'll tell you how. I mean, since you asked me to. You ask, I'll tell you. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you. Hold on. I'm gonna get a sip of water first though. If I didn't, if I don't edit that out, I know that's going to be super annoying. Shut up, you're so annoying! A brief history on the um, back of the blue flag, because I know right now some of you may be very triggered, and I applaud your courage for staying put and not leaving, even after I took a break to drink some water. Almost every time that flag shows up, it is in response to people rising up to lament, protest, or push back against police violence against black and brown people. As an example, in 1992, 
after the brutal beating of Rodney King. The police came under fire. And people watched that video in horror and said, what this, how does this happen? How do they beat a man like that? Like it was so brutal that people were like, wow, that is wicked. Los Angeles police started a campaign, brought back this sort of uh, historic notion of backing the blue that I think started in the 70s, if I'm not mistaken. Brought that back to inspire some um, love for the police. Again, after Trayvon Martin, there was a, um, a, a movement started that all of you know, Black Lives Matter. And then with um, Alton Sterling, Philando Castile, there was these outcries of Black Lives Matter that was met with All Lives Matter and we back the blue. So it's it's not that anyone has any sort of issue whatsoever with any group of people showing pride in what they are doing, provided that what they're doing isn't violent or harmful or bad for society. And there are many people who don't believe that policing is bad for society. So it's not that people were upset about that or that, that have a valid argument that are upset about that, but it is that that sentiment has not stood on its own two feet. It has been an anti-black response disguised as pro-something else. Now, maybe you didn't know that. Maybe even now you disagree with it. But the reality is this. When you support that state-sanctioned violence, how is it that then you look across the pond and say, we decry or we hate that state-sanctioned violence? That is where you are you are dressing up and painting your face, putting on a costume, going to social media, going to people at work, perhaps standing up in your pulpit on a Sunday morning, and you are performing. You are acting. You are acting as if you are a person who actually abhors state violence when you actually do not. You just don't like their state-sanctioned violence. You have a problem with them doing it, but you don't have a problem with it happening here and affecting black and brown people. In fact, this is, this is um, where we begin to see the global nature of anti-blackness. I mean, we've probably, at this point, if you're listening to this podcast, you have likely seen the videos of black uh, Ukrainians being denied asylum or, or being denied the, the access to leaving the country, being turned away. I've even seen um, some reports of um, black folks trying to leave the Ukraine, Ukraine being told Ukrainians first. Now, come on. Perhaps you are a person who would be like, oh my God, I can't believe that. 
but yet you're also a person who by default might, if you look deeply enough in your soul, believe that black folks <laughs> aren't as American as white folks are. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, maybe, maybe, I don't know. Point being, hypocrisy is that thing that we do when we dress up like something we're not in order to be rewarded. We receive some sort of validation culturally especially if we are a leader. This is, this is why, like, um, so many people jumped on the George Floyd bandwagon because globally, people all over the world were going, we have to address racism. And so if you did not go into your dressing room, put on your costume, and come forward and start to be uh, a, an advocate of, of pro-blackness as an organization... Uh, as, as a corporate organization, as a church, as a nonprofit, as a individual, you would be left out. You were going to be left behind. You were going to have no chance at winning an award, the award of the validation of being on the quote-unquote right side of history or the validation of being a person who gets, who, who gets to be a part of a movement that is that everyone agrees with. You get caught up in this. You get the reward of being caught up in the stream. You get the reward of, of being celebrated for your bravery, <laughs> your, for your courage in going to your social media and actually advocating for uh, human beings and human rights. So, yeah, that is hypocrisy. It isn't just that you say one thing and do another. Every one of us says one thing and does another. Every one of us does that, where we, maybe we believe something in the moment that changes. Or maybe we get new information and decide that we're going to change the way we are talking or acting or the things that we're doing. Or maybe we just are human beings who make mistakes. Maybe I know that it's wrong to do X, Y, or Z, but I like it. And maybe I tell my kids, don't ever do this, but then I also do it. Perhaps that is still acting. Don't know. But I would think that the greater issue, and if you look, if you, if you would pay attention to what the ancient rabbis are telling us, it's not so much that the human nature of us saying one thing and doing another, it is us not internalizing. It's us acting from a place that is not internal. There was a moment when the George Floyd, um, I don't want to say hype because it's not that, 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 I don't want to dishonor George Floyd like that. When the sentiment for um, supporting the family of George Floyd for remembering what happened to George Floyd, for lamenting what happened to George Floyd. There, there was a moment when all of that was heightened. 
And I can remember finding out that a certain organization was going to take some initiative. And I had some, um, I had some familiarity with this organization. I had been around this organization. And when I find out, found out that they had planned on leading and taking some, some leadership in this new movement, I sent an email and I said, hey, um, I don't think this is a good idea. I don't think you're ready to go public because in order to go public, you first have to internalize the thing. Like you can't just jump on the thing and talk about it because now it's popular. You actually need to have done the work of internalizing it to the point that the language is second nature. The behavior is second nature. It becomes who you are. It's not something that you learn for a couple of weeks so that you can perform and receive an award. It's something that you have become. I was in, at, in Selma with our good friend Nandi, who's been on the podcast and is a, one of the dearest people I know. Dearest. My God, dearest. I have become... My mom and dad. Hell, and my grandmama. Whatever. They are one of the dearest people that I know. And we were in Selma together. And I asked them, how often do people get your pronouns right? And they said, not that often. People miss them all the time. And they said something to me that will sit with me forever. Well, I mean, I say forever. You know, time's a construct. It will sit with me. Who knows how long. They said that people who get their pronouns right are people who have done the work of deconstructing their ideas of a binary gender space or, or their, their binary thinking when it comes to gender. Those people get their pronouns right. People who are just trying to memorize whose pronoun is which will frequently miss their pronouns. Full disclosure, I am somewhere in the middle on that. I am working. I, I, as I come on this podcast and speak to all of you who are listening about the work that we, that you, maybe it sounds to you like I'm talking about the work you have to do. No, I'm talking about the work we have to do. And it's such a profound statement to say, it's one thing to do the work to be able to perform the part. It's another thing to do the work to become something entirely different and new so that I can live the part. It's one thing to watch Putin go into the Ukraine and join the chorus of voices that's saying, this is awful, this is an outrage. It's another thing to do the internal work of understanding where within my own self, within my own community, within my own country, there is a violence that is perpetuated against people on a regular daily basis by the powerful who are supposed to protect those people. And why did that not bother me until it was a trend? That's the work 
the work of becoming, not the work of acting, not the work of performing so that I can receive an award or reward, whichever award you want, award, reward, whatever. Okay, so, ah, man, uh, I said no spoilers. So, let me uh, tell you a story that I have uh, come across <laughs> over the last year or so of a person who was acting a part for their own gain. They became very good at convincing people that they were a medium between spirit between the spirit world and our world and they had kind of learned this from their dad who was a preacher and this medium was convincing people that they were in contact with people people's family members who had died and were was assuring them that everything was okay and and just being a shitty human being who was playing with people's emotions and acting like they were doing something they weren't actually doing. And the results of it wound up being catastrophic for people in the story. That's all I'll say. If you come across what I'm talking about at some point, I haven't spoiled anything for you because I didn't really say anything. This is the danger of hypocrisy. You see, there's certain words and things that we don't want to be associated with. Like, you don't want to be called racist. Some things just sting more than others. Like, if I call you an idiot, unless there is some, like, you know, internal trauma that has, um, that makes that word idiot buzz for you differently, most of us hear the term idiot and we can brush it off. But if I call you a racist, if someone says you're lazy, or if someone says you're a hypocrite, that those things tend to sting a little bit more than other things that you might be called. But that's not the real danger of hypocrisy. The real danger of hypocrisy is the impact that it has on the world around us. It is what we communicate to people. It is the hollowness of which we are actually saying things to people without understanding the substance of the thing that we're talking about. We just start saying things and the result is people are listening to us and they're listening to something hollow that doesn't have depth, that doesn't have foundation, that doesn't have um, a divine um, concrete base to it. It's just hollow because it's not filled with the real stuff of meaning and belief. It's just acting. And so what winds up happening is people get hurt. That's why people say bad theology kills. So there's, there's some theology that is just hollow. There are uh, pastors and preachers and teachers who stand up on platforms and they just say things. They're acting. They're performing. They say things. They are, they're really loose with the text in ways that aren't helpful. They're loose with the text in ways that just are cool and interesting. And, and they're like, they, 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 they'll get plenty of, of retweets and, and sound bites on social media, but they're actually not 
filled with the meatiness of and, and durability of the human experience over thousands of years, the sacredness that is other people in past time periods on this planet have wrestled with this thing and come to this understanding of it. They are just flashes of hypocrisy and people listen to those things, run with them and try to build a construct of a life and an understanding of how things work and in building that construct when inevitably life gets difficult or society begins to have dialogue and conversations that are that are, are rough or that require some depth and some knowledge and some foundation, people are lost and saying all kinds of harmful things, hurtful things, voting in ways that are that are, are diminish our quality of life as human beings. Because when the least of us is suffering, all of us are actually suffering. But when hypocrites, when actors are in charge of our morality, this is why Jesus was so, uh, I believe anyway, so harsh, if you will, with the Pharisees, because when actors are in control of our morality, we don't have the substance to build a world, a society, a community that is compassionate, that is kind, that is loving, that is taking care of the vulnerable, taking care of the powerless. We can only build a society then where the powerful profit and gain and become bigger and stronger and more influential. You know, over the last several years or so, there's been a decline in I said decline in such an interesting way. A decline. I put the emphasis on the D and not the Klein. <laughs> and I said that in such a deep way. The D and not the Klein. There's been a decline in attendance, I think, of church. You know, which, you know, I might argue is really a good thing. But part of the decline, in, they did it again, part of the decline in church is that some churches decided to, uh, again, when the George Floyd thing happened, right, and everybody was just had to be about, you know, anti-blackness and anti-racism for a season. The people who have been sitting in the pews, if you will, for years and years and years and years and years, listening to sermons, singing songs at these churches, were, were totally content. Maybe they had some mild complaints. Maybe they didn't like some changes, paint color. It's too loud. Lights are too bright. Whatever. Those things were not big enough complaints for most people to be like, I'm going to leave. But the moment churches started to say, black lives matter. Some of those same people who had been at the church for a long time, were like, that's the line. We're out. Now, how is it <laughs> that you could sit in the pews for years, 20 plus years, harboring racism in your heart, 
And the moment the truth about racism is 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 spoken, you're you're out. How is it that you could sit in the pew that long, twenty years, or more, without ever having that thing in your heart, in your mind, in your consciousness challenged? So much so that the first time it's challenged, you can't handle it, and you're out. How? How? How does that? I I had a pastor, and then I'll, I'll rap. Not like a MC, although don't sleep on the fact that I can rap if I chose to. But I'm going to rap W-R-A-P. And if you're playing Wordle, that's a good place to start tomorrow. I'm not saying I don't have any inside information, so don't like whatever. But WRAP is a good place to start because it can get you get you going. All right. There's some free wordle strategy for you. But there was this this pastor who invited me to come speak at, at his church right around George Floyd. And then like the week before I was gonna speak, was like, oh, you know what? I think I'm gonna talk about it. I think I'm gonna take I think I'm gonna take this week. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> In week three, I think I'm gonna take this week. And at one point in our conversations, he said, I've been talking about this stuff forever. And I thought, hmm. Number one, I never heard it. But number two, if you have, why is it that when you started to talk about it, people left your church? Like if this is, if this is a regular part of the diet that you are, quote unquote, feeding the sheep. <laughs> how is it that the moment you give the sheep some anti-racism... They reject it and leave. This analogy won't go very far because sheep don't actually leave, but whatever. The sheep, they like bad out of your church. How? If you've been feeding them this diet so steadily. You know what I'm saying? You feel, do you, are you picking up what I'm putting down? I hope so. I am so thankful for all of you listening. Like seriously, it, it means a lot to me that you listen to the podcast. And I got some guests coming up. Yeah, I ain't gonna say no names, you know, just in case they back out. But still, I got some guests that we might have coming up that are that are that are amazing. We've had amazing guests. I that's one of the most um, fortuitous. Uh, I think that's a good word to use. That's one of the most like, yeah, good things of of this journey I've been on podcasting is some of the people I've gotten to talk to. Really, all of them, but. But some of the people I've gotten to talk to, I was kind of surprised. I, I didn't think I'd get a chance to talk to some of these folks that I got to talk to. And and getting a chance to talk to them was just amazing. And you getting a chance to hear what they had to say to me is is just a, a tremendous, massive blessing. All right, folks. Hey, before you go, if you wouldn't mind, could you rate and review this podcast? And would you uh, think about perhaps signing up for the Patreon if you are someone who listens to this podcast all the time. It's just a, an extra layer of um, stuff we can get into. So that's all I got for you. Grace and peace. Until next week. Mm-hmm.